0: the boss of me now and you're not so big welcome to life is unfair the malcolm in the middle podcast where we watch and talk about every episode of malcolm in the middle in chronological order today we're talking about polly in the middle which originally aired april 25th 2004 was directed by steve love and written by matthew carlson hi i'm jake and pete bukowski
1: saved my baby and i'm david and yeah it's me
0: And before we get into this week's episode, we of course have our community segment, starting with a big thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon, where we are Let's Play Death Ray, which is how you can support us in making this and all of the other stuff that we make and gain access to our secret podcast, Uncaged.
1: I mean, if we keep telling people about it, is it really a secret one, Jake?
0: Absolutely. We say secret, so it's secret.
1: Okay, yeah. That's how that works.
0: Then uh, we have a email this week.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Those are never good for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) I'm not wrong, though.
0: It's titled, uh, David is the Worst. I believe that. No. Uh, No. Uh, We have an email from Dellen proposing a new award. Interesting. And they said, "Uh, Hey guys, quick message due to me being at work at the moment, but just wants to say that I love the podcast and listen to it all week and sometimes even sleep to it. Anyways, how about adding a shittiest parent segment? It'll be a fun (laughs) way to create the parents as well as the kids. Thanks, Uh, bye.
1: (laughs) I mean... They're not wrong. (laughs) Like... For sure. There are definitely many times where that award is fully deserved.
0: I do think that if we do this, we shouldn't limit it to just Hal and Lola.
1: Okay. Right. Just shittiest parent of the episode in general. Yes. Okay.
0: And I propose calling it the Mrs. Dabney
1: Award. The Mrs. Oh. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) she would have won it. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, okay. Let me, I'm adding this to my notes here real quick. I do not have one for this episode, obviously.
0: I don't have one in my notes, but I can think of one. (laughs) I'm sure I can. Wait,
1: are we going to, okay, so we're just rolling with it right here. You know what? Sure. Okay, hot off the presses. Okay, I have to really, ooh, okay.
0: Then we also have our poll results from Twitter. And they're interesting this week, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they're looking back on Reese's apartment. Uh-huh. Which we had our buddy Eric on for from File Under Entertainment. And it was the yelliest episode we've had in a while because of the
1: awards. Yeah. Yeah. You're the worst. <laughs>
0: But, uh, Eric and I were in agreement on our awards, and, uh, your awards were the complete opposite.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: for Shittiest Kid, Eric and I both chose Reese for both his on- and off-screen crimes. Alleged. While you chose Malcolm for being a bad teacher and uh-huh. letting Ira down. Yep. And the internet overwhelmingly
1: agreed with Eric and I. Well, that's because (laughs) the internet is constantly wrong. This is why so many children are getting left behind, Jake. Gah. Reese
0: got 83% of the vote with the uh, lone dissenting Josh from Des Moines vote going to Dewey. And we (laughs) we got a couple of replies.
1: I bet we did.
0: Uh, Of course, Luke wrote in, (laughs) and he said, David is just challenging himself to think up fantasy reasons for Malcolm to be shittiest every episode now.
1: Wow. Wow. (laughs) I can't believe you would say that, Luke.
0: (laughs) And uh, Lost Crowboy also wrote in on that poll, Saying, this is the funniest, Malcolm shittiest argument from David since Christmas tree. Had me laughing my ass off. Yes! Felt like he was channeling Bobby the Brain Heenan to roast an 80s baby face. And for that, we thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, do you know who Bobby the Brain Heedon is, David?
1: I sure do, Jake. Okay, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I, I thought there would be a chance that you did just because you was associated with Andre the Giant, which is like right. the one wrestling thing you know. A
1: hundred percent, yes. Kay. Also, why I know it.
0: <laughs> I figured.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: then, for Least Shitty Kid, our choices were swapped with Eric and I choosing Malcolm for helping Ira while you chose Reese for improving himself. And the audience narrowly agreed with you.
1: Yes! So, <laughs>
0: so for two weeks in a row, we have a kid who was voted both shittiest and least shitty. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, we got a couple of replies on that one as well, Uh, as Luke also left a reply on that poll saying David's whole argument against Malcolm was 100% straw man. (laughs) And, uh, Christian writing in saying a rare vote for Malcolm is least shitty.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is rare, because Malcolm's shittiest kid, like, 90% of the time.
0: (laughs) Well... 55% 55% of the audience agrees with you, David. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the smart half, you mean. <laughs> well,
0: I guess, I guess not. they didn't vote Malcolm's shittiest. They disagreed with you that Reese was least shittiest. I think you just made a much more compelling argument for, like, Reese's, uh, redemption arc than,
1: uh, your Malcolm being shitty, I think is what it comes down to. I see, I see. I mean, that, that may be the case, but... I stand behind Malcolm's shittiest kid.
0: I'm sure you do, David. I'm sure you do. (laughs) Well, with that, let's get into this week's episode, which sadly doesn't feature any parrots. What? Uh, But the cold open uh, is a very simple one. It's Reese sitting in the backyard at the picnic table uh, with a magnifying glass, burning ants, and... Malcolm, like, walks over and uh, asks him what he's doing, and Reese is talking about how he's playing with ants. And Malcolm points out that there's one on his arm, and Reese, like, turns the magnified glass on himself, saying, uh, uh, he has no idea what's about to happen to him. <laughs>
1: That's right. This ant has no idea what's in store for him. <laughs> Then, getting into
0: the episode proper, uh, we of course will start with the F plot. And it starts with Piyama coming into the barn and yelling at Francis over a charge on their credit card. And uh, as she is doing this, like in the background, there's like a bunch of other ranch hands, that, you know, presumably work under Francis. And. Piyama is yelling at him, saying, you know, we agreed that we would talk over any anything over $100. You know, what did you buy? And Francis says he needed a new hat. And upon hearing that, Piyama tells him to give her his credit card. <laughs> and... Francis like initially pushes back saying he's not going to do that but Piyama insists she just like holds out her hand and says give it to me until he pulls his credit card out and hands it to him. And as Piyama walks off having watched this all of the other ranch hands start laughing at Francis. Then when we come back to this plot line, Piyama is bringing Francis some cough medicine because he has a scratchy throat. And if he doesn't get his medicine, then he'll start coughing, and it's just gonna get worse.
1: And she's not gonna be up all night listening to him cough.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) Which is fair.
0: And one of the ranch hands, as he is, like, walking by them, like, nods to Piyama and says, Senora, and then turns to Francis and says, Senora, and walks (laughs) past
1: them. I mean, he's gotta get that dig in, Jake.
0: Clearly. And at that point, Francis tells Piyama that she has to stop doing this stuff in front of the guys, and he says that, you know, macho culture is a a big thing in Mexican culture, and, you know, uh, she's uh, embarrassing him in front of the guys, and they're making fun of him. (laughs) Which, uh, Piyama, like, when he first brings it up, like, very condescendingly, like, makes fun of him as well. ...saying, oh, the other boys are making fun of you? <laughs> uh. <laughs> and when he brings up the macho thing, she says, no, uh, you know, uh, macho culture is a part of every culture... ...and I'm not having it." <laughs> uh, that is fair. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, having told him off... Tells him to take the medicine and leaves. And Francis initially is, like, holding the medicine, refusing to take it. And then he starts to cough and, like, reluctantly drinks it. And when he does, it, like, stains his lips red. And then he, like, scratches his cheek and leaves a smudge, like, on his cheek. Like, uh, with, with the, like, typical, like, Marilyn Monroe beauty mark spot. And when he turns around and all of the other... Uh, Ranch hands see him, they just, like, start uproariously laughing. (laughs) Then, uh, this plotline ends with Piyama once again showing up, this time bringing Francis a tuna fish sandwich. And she, like, makes a big show of it, like, clearly trying to, you know, make Francis look good in front of all of these ranch hands. And she's, like, loudly declaring that she's bringing him the sandwich with, like, a big smile. And Francis, of course, being Francis, can't help himself as he just has to push it further. as He That's starts right. uh, saying, you know, this this better be better than the last sandwich you brought me. That sandwich was a joke. I want it toasted. And <laughs>
1: oh, Francis, talk about pushing your luck. Like, <laughs> God, yes.
0: Which, Piyama, like, even warns him when he starts to do, saying, don't turn a favor into something you're going to regret.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't stop him. And how could it, Jake? (laughs) He's
0: Francis. And, uh, you know, after his uh, demands for the sandwich... Piyama just loudly says, you know, it would be a real shame if something you love doing was taken away from you for the foreseeable future. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And she marches out and Francis stands there for like a second and then puts his sandwich down and runs after her apologizing. Once again, causing all of the ranch hands to laugh at him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he realizes he done goot <laughs> Yep.
0: then from there we will go to the other sort of side plot which centers around the boys ah uh, man there's a few there's a few things you could have named this one but I'm going to go
1: with the LM plot for luck molecule <laughs> oh Jake you're so close it's the LS plot for Lucky Shirt. It's uh, yeah for Lucky Shirt. LS for Lucky Shirt.
0: Yeah, that's one of my had in mind. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of possibilities. Uh, that's fair. I went really simple with this one. Clearly, and it starts with Malcolm explaining to camera that ever since Kitty left, Stevie has been living more dangerously. Yesterday, he was reading in dim light, and today, he's doing his first prank call. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. It does not go well. (laughs) (laughs) We see him, like, setting up the, like, typical, is-your-refrigerator-running gag. But, like, when he finishes the setup, he then goes, yeah... It's me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, whoever he was calling recognized him immediately.
0: I don't understand how.
1: Yeah, no, not at all, Jake. That's so weird.
0: Then Dewey complains that he has lost his lucky shirt and he's like looking around for it. And he's very relieved when he finds it. Malcolm immediately tells him that, you know, that's stupid. There is no such thing as a lucky shirt. But Dewey insists that when he's wearing it, good things always happen. And then he finds an M&M on the floor and proceeds to eat it. There's the uh, first display of the lucky shirt's powers.
1: (sighs) That's, you know, look, for as much shit as I give Malcolm, he's right in this one. That is not luck. That's just gross, yeah
0: it's
1: the the first time in a while we've had gross Dewey make an appearance that's that's what I was just thinking. I was gonna say, like yeah, we haven't seen a whole lot of Dewey being like super gross or anything, but this this is gross Dewey, <laughs> yep, he's back
0: then, uh the next time we come back to this plot line, uh Dewey is once again displaying his lucky shirt's powers by finding clean socks. In his dresser. And uh, Malcolm sees this and says that he's being ridiculous. Uh, You know, once again reiterating that, uh, you know, there is no such thing as a lucky shirt. And Reese, overhearing this, tells him that he shouldn't criticize things he can't possibly understand. Now that,
1: (laughs) I agree with.
0: And, uh, Reese says that you know everyone has their own forms of luck like how you're really lucky with tess
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's all about luck
0: and Malcolm says no that's not luck i work my ass off mm.
1: <laughs> there's a good deal of luck there
0: fair i mean being born with a photographic memory
1: <laughs> yeah exactly look uh, i'm not trying to discount his work again Despite people's insane insinuations online, I don't hate Malcolm, but uh, you know, he did—he did get born with uh, some some amazing gifts. That yeah, he
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I will also say, like, for all, all of Malcolm's issues, that laziness is not one of them, at least for the most part. Right. Yeah. But Malcolm, yo. Know, When they, like, continue to press and Dewey asks him why he, uh, gets so angry at his lucky shirt. Uh, Malcolm, you know, explains that he believes in, you know, an ordered universe that can be understood and that luck has no place in that. And he says that the, the sweater is, you know, made of molecules like everything else. And at that point, Reese says, yeah, luck molecules. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which might simultaneously be the smartest and dumbest thing Reese has said in this season. <laughs>
0: uh, you know what it sounds like? Luck molecules sounds like an explanation in a Marvel comic for one of the like luck-based powers.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, w- I was just about to say that. <laughs> I, I was about to say that 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 sounds like a marvel explanation for one like one of the early X-Men, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> then Dewey calls Malcolm out saying that he uh just thinks that that uh the, the the world works this way, you know, on logic because all he's good at is thinking and if the world isn't logical, then he's lost.
1: I mean, that's pretty fair. That's a fair criticism of Malcolm.
0: That, like, clearly gets under Malcolm's skin as he picks up a softball and says, Yeah, well, lock this, and he throws it at Dewey, but he hits the wall next to Dewey, and it ricochets off and hits him directly in the balls. Which he deserved. (laughs) As he's, like, laying there, writhing in pain, he says, This doesn't prove anything.
1: Seems like pretty good proof to me.
0: Then, because this episode is sort of organized weird, we don't get anything for this plot for quite a while. And then it, like, comes back to it after a change of setting, for uh, reasons we'll talk about in the other plot line. to a baseball convention. At that convention, they are holding a raffle to get a Reggie Jackson home run ball, specifically his 450th home run ball. Of course, signed by him. uh, He is there as a special guest star, and Dewey, of course, buys a ticket and immediately assumes, because he's wearing his lucky shirt, that he is going to win. But he graciously offers to let Malcolm touch his hand after he touches the ball. He's not going to let them touch the ball, but... (laughs) That's fair. It would depreciate the value. And Malcolm, like, rolls his eyes and says, You know what? If you win, I'll kiss Reese's butt on stage in front of everyone. And
1: Dewey hastily agrees.
0: Yes. And Reese immediately gets very into this (laughs) bet.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he's going to have a chance to embarrass Malcolm? Fair.
0: Then when we come back to this group again, Dewey is like talking about uh how he's going to display the ball once he wins, like weighing over his options. And Reese brings up the bat and says that Malcolm better not chicken out once Dewey wins this ball. You're gonna pucker up, and so am I. <laughs> <laughs> And Reggie Jackson overhears this, and he, like, comes over to them and asks, uh, you know, saying, your brother took a bet that you would win? And when they, like, explain, and Malcolm, like, says that Dewey has this ridiculous lucky shirt, Reggie Jackson says that when he first started playing baseball, he had a pair of lucky socks that he would wear every game for a whole season despite them being super stinky and disgusting. And uh, when Malcolm, like, you know, thinks that he's supporting him and says that, uh, that that does sound ridiculous, Reggie Jackson, like, brings up his numbers. Yeah. Which is, someone who doesn't watch baseball, I just assume we're impressive.
1: <laughs> yes, he he's in the Hall of Fame, Jake.
0: Yeah, I, I know Reggie Jackson's in the Hall of Fame, but, like, the... I know who he is and like why he's he saying this, but like the particular stats he like rattles off. Mean oh, okay. nothing gotcha, to gotcha, me got Okay, gotcha, gotcha,
1: gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all.
0: And then he just turns to Reese and says, Don't let him welch on that bet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got he's under instructions from Reggie Jackson. He can't. <laughs> exactly. And yet Malcolm has full intentions of welching on that bet. I'll bet you anything. Probably. Yeah.
0: He's a, what a He's a real sad... Kyle that Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that that audience is a joke mostly just for us, but wow. And the best part is Kyle
0: doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never know I was shitting f- on him.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, I would never tell him that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, uh, then this plotline, uh, ends with the raffle as, uh, like, like, they're about to, like, you know, do it, and they're, like, about to pull it out. Malcolm panics and starts ripping Dewey's lucky shirt off. (laughs) Because he is clearly nervous that it's going to work. (laughs) And Dewey, of course, starts pulling back at it. And Reese also gets involved as he grabs the Lucky Shirt, yanking on it because he wants Malcolm to lose the bet. <laughs> and as they're, you know, all like holding it, like, you know, and uh, like a triangle formation, all like pulling it tight, with Malcolm saying that there's no such thing as a Lucky Shirt, Jamie falls through the vents above them, <laughs> for reasons we'll discuss in the other plot line. And land safely on the lucky shirt. <laughs> and uh that wraps up that plot line. Uh leaving only the uh centric plot line.
1: Ah uh, yes. Good old Polly. I've never forgotten that character. Never. Ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh and I think you called this. The TC plot for Three's Company.
1: Oh, that would have been way better. Uh, you're so good at coming up with names for these plot lines, Jake. Yeah? But that is not what I went with. Yeah? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I feel
0: like you've expressed a very different opinion about my plot lines in the past.
1: Oh, well, you you can't stick to a metric or like do it the right way, but your, your guesses at my plot line name is super good. <laughs> um, if you were that good at like picking names for plot lines, this wouldn't even been an issue. What did you name <laughs> this, David? Uh, it's the LK plot line for Lost Kitty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But uh this plot line starts with Lois excitedly talking about a upcoming baseball convention. And specifically, she is excited that Pete Bukowski is going to be there, who is a fictional baseball player. But uh, he is apparently like, Lois loves him because he is the first Polish baseball player to play for more than two seasons. (laughs) Which
1: doesn't sound real, but I love that that's the like thing that she's into about him uh we
0: then see uh abe like in the kitchen as he is thanking lois for doing his and stevie's laundry with kitty being gone and hal asks him how the divorce is going and he says that it's going horribly that uh kitty keeps flirting with the judge like right in front of him And, like, wearing these short skirts, and it's making him miserable. Poor Abe.
1: (laughs) He deserves better.
0: And Hal says that he should get back out there and start dating, but Abe insists that he's already planned for his future. He's just going to live miserably and die alone.
1: (laughs) It's a very solid plan. (laughs) It has a beginning. It has an end. Exactly. Then uh, Craig runs into the house,
0: holding a newspaper, saying that it's an emergency and they were the closest safe house as he makes his way to their bathroom. (laughs) Then Polly comes out to the kitchen with Jamie, explaining that she's going to take him to the park and they're going to discuss his birth trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And as she leaves, Abe. Talks about how hot Polly is. He says she fell out of the hot tree and hit every branch on the way down. <laughs> I've never heard used like in the positive.
1: Me either. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like a positive either. <laughs> right? Like at <laughs> all. <laughs> Abe's very good at compliments. Let me let me just say that. Clearly. The most good. <laughs>
0: And Hal encourages him to ask Polly out, but Abe says, no, he's never asked a girl out before. He didn't even ask Kitty out. Uh, His dad asked her dad for her hand in marriage.
1: No, he doesn't go quite that far. I understand why you think that that's the line, because it's very in line with what's said. But specifically, Jake, it's my dad asked her dad uh, out for me. And then my family gave her family a ham. Yes. It's very much implied that it's like the old, like, Jewish system of dowry and stuff. Yes, 100%. Is not technically set. (laughs) Fair enough, I suppose. I do like to think that that's what happened, though.
0: And uh, Abe asks Hal to set him up, but Hal doesn't want to because he says his setups tend to go poorly. (laughs) And he asks, you know that guy who was in the news who woke up in an ice bath with his kidney missing? That was one of my setups. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good feeling about that one.
1: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) But when Abe continues to beg him, Hal reluctantly agrees to do it, but says, be careful. I have a good feeling about this one, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, run, Abe, run.
0: <laughs> then uh, Craig comes out of the bathroom for halftime. <laughs> so he drinks some water and then goes back in.
1: <laughs> Listen, we've all had those days, Jake, and they're not fun.
0: Then uh, we see Polly uh, leaving Jamie with Hal as she's like, you know, leaving work. And she's <laughs> giving him some advice saying uh, if Jamie has that nightmare again that she thinks is about an evil teddy, don't wake him up. He needs to fight through it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Jamie. (laughs) And
0: uh, Hal asks her if she's doing anything on Friday. And Polly immediately assumes that he is hitting on her, saying, oh no, uh, it's happening again. And she says that her last employer, you know, uh, was was heading on her, and he said he only had six months to live, but he just kept on living. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, did he live. But Hal, like, like, calms her down and explains, like, no, no, I'm not heading on you. Uh, I'm asking you out for Abe. And when when Hal, like, starts talking about how Abe is, you know, this great guy, and he's really kind-hearted, she... (laughs) She says, yeah, he's fat, I know. And Hal, like, says, no, that's not what I meant. She says, it's okay, I like bigger guys, I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) But Hal reiterates that this is not a setup, (laughs) and he makes her promise not to uh, stalk, run Abe over with a car, or throw a steam iron at him (laughs) when she suddenly decides he looks
1: like her stepbrother. (laughs) wow (laughs) very the the specificity of this list has me very concerned
0: well yeah it's clearly all from experience (laughs) yeah then uh,
1: we see Abe
0: describing the date he had with Polly to Hal he's talking about how great it was And how it's really given him a new lease on life. And how he watched a Pappy Le Pew cartoon and he didn't even cry when he didn't get the cat. (laughs) And Al just tells him that that's great progress, buddy. (laughs) And uh, he's feeling so empowered by this that he's going to add his own fabric softener to the laundry. Oh, Abe. (laughs) Then the next time we come to this plot line. Polly is getting ready for a date, and she asks which earrings she should wear. And when Lois starts to give her advice, Polly cuts her off and says, I was asking Jamie. He's really good at this. And <laughs> Jamie picks th- the earrings for her.
1: <laughs> which, by the way, I'm pretty sure are the same ones that Lois was uh, recommending as well.
0: Polly says that she's really nervous about this date because it's the third date, and you know what that means. And Hal and Lois, like, both look at each other, and then, like, uh, you know, starts to tell her that, you know, she shouldn't feel pressured, and uh, Polly says, Oh, no, no, not that. I get that out of the way on the first date. (laughs) (laughs) Then everyone can feel comfortable. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's nervous because apparently the third date
1: with Polly is tribal scary. Which... (laughs) What? (laughs) run fast Abe (laughs) fair it's not worth it Hal
0: and Lois both start like talking about how great this uh you know Polly's relationship is for both of them and how happy they are about it then there's a knock at the door and Hal goes over to answer it, expecting Abe but when he opens it Craig is at the door in a suit with flowers. Hal and Lois have the realization that they have both set Polly up with their friends. And uh, Lois says, I don't understand how you're confused by this. I was very clear. I said the guy was overweight, lonely, nearsighted, and lost his kitty.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> wait, wait, then, then... Uh, Get a scene the, the next time we come back of Abe telling Hal that uh Polly told him that she's seen someone else uh you know in addition to him and he's talking about how awful it is and you know trying to figure out who this other guy is and then we get like a series of cuts back and forth as it cuts over to Craig. Uh, having the same conversation with Lois. He's saying that he's going to track this other guy down, and when I find him, I'm probably going to take photos of him so I can dress like him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Craig. <laughs> creepy, creepy Craig. And then he asks Lois if this other guy is rich or famous, and then it cuts over to Abe asking how if the the other guy is You know, muscular or intellectual, if he's thin or tall. And it cuts over to Craig asking if he's lit from within by a quiet inner strength.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like this weird, like, back and forth. Yes. It's awkward and also funny as hell.
0: And they both start spiraling out. (laughs) As they, uh, you know, turn from this, uh, potential other guy and start, you know, focusing on themselves. <laughs> and, uh, like, this little back and forth ends with them both, like, uh, in a split screen saying, Why does God hate me? And then just breaking out weeping. <laughs> <laughs> Then we see Lois and Hal confronting Polly, telling her she has to choose between the two guys. But Polly says that she can't, it's just too hard of a decision. And she asks Lois, Would you be able to choose as a woman between Abe and Craig? <laughs> <laughs> and Lois just says, Uh, you know, I'm just glad I don't have to make the choice. But you do. (laughs) (laughs) But Polly says every time she weighs, you know, their pros and cons, they just come out even. Because Craig has that uh, strong confidence and fantasy play. (laughs) But (laughs) Abe is so gentle and kind-hearted, and he gets an extra point because he's black. He just does.
1: There, I said it. Oh, Polly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And uh, not having reached a decision, she leaves for back-to-back dates with Craig and Abe. (laughs) And as she leaves, she says, you know, if society wasn't so hung up, they'd have the solution. (laughs) Then uh, Hal and Lois get into a little argument as they're... Both trying to get the other one to tell their friend to back down as uh, Lois says that it should be Abe because he's more mature, but Hal points out he sleeps with a nightlight. He's not that mature. I mean, that's, yep, you know, that's fair. <laughs> and Lois says that, uh, you know, it should be Abe because she has to deal with Craig for eight hours a day. It's all she's been dealing with.
1: Mm, that's a solid point Craig is the worst
0: but Hal uh, says that you know what they should just stay out of it they Craig and Abe are both our friends we should just wait for them to screw up <laughs> <laughs> wow
1: such such votes of confidence <laughs>
0: <laughs> then the Wilkerson's and Polly go to the baseball convention that Lois mentioned at the start of the episode and uh, they, they like boys go off to like do all of their plotline stuff. And Polly is like thanking Hal and Lois for bringing her along to this convention, saying it's, you know, uh, good to take her mind off of all of the relationship problems. Then, of course, Craig shows up by a pure coincidence. <laughs> And, uh, when he does, and, like, you know, walks over to Polly and starts talking to her, saying, you know, how great of a coincidence it is that he just happened to show up here at the same time as her, uh, Lois offers to take the baby so that she can spend some time with Craig. And Hal tells Lois that, you know, that she clearly broke their agreement, and he can't believe she did that. And, of course, as soon as he says that, Abe also arrives naturally. <laughs> and Hal says I uh, just think about how embarrassed Abe is going to be now that he has randomly shown up here all on his own. <laughs> 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 and then uh with Abe and Craig both there and you know both talking to Polly you know, trying to get her to spend time with him with Abe using Stevie who he has brought along as like a you know incentive For her to choose him, saying, and I brought my son. He's very needy. (laughs) (laughs) Polly starts having what she describes as an out-of-body experience. And she, like, starts to faint. And when she does, both Abe and Craig run over and, like, grab her before she can fall. And they look at each other and realize that... You know, the, the the other one is the other guy in this relationship. <laughs> and having pieced it together, they both start rolling up their sleeves in preparation to fight. <laughs> As uh, Polly is, like, telling them, you know, not to fight. Uh, they both, like, scream <laughs> at each other. Like, just, like, wordless screams and very, like, Dragon Ball Z fashion. And charge at each other. <laughs> and once they're in range... A slap fight ensues. (laughs) And uh, as their slap fight is going on, a convention employee is, like, pushing a bunch of chairs on a chair cart. And he's looking at their fight and doesn't notice that he, like, hooks Jamie's stroller and is pushing it along. Until uh, his stroller gets hooked on uh, that, like, big baseball cart thing that I know has a specific name, but I don't know what it is.
1: The big baseball cart thing. Yeah. Nice.
0: It's the big baseball cart thing, David. I mean, it's very descriptive. I know exactly but, what I mean.
1: I bet you do. <laughs> I watched it and I'm not entirely sure what you mean. Wow. <laughs> uh,
0: I think it might be the Dodgers mascot as like a cart, but I'm know. not certain. <laughs> Again. I don't watch baseball.
1: Yeah, me neither.
0: But then going back to the slap fight, they are, uh, you know, slapping each other, and Abe asks Craig if he's had enough, and Craig says he hasn't even begun to have enough to have enough. (laughs) But they both call timeouts so that they can catch their breath and then call time in and resume slapping each other. Then, meanwhile, Jamie has... Climbed out of his stroller and is crawling next to a bunch of baseball bats that, like, fall right behind him as he's going. then, uh, he, like, lands in a cart being pushed full of foam fingers. Then, uh, we go back to the fight, which has now gone from a slap fight to Craig and Abe pulling each other's ears.
1: As a fight does, Jacob, this is... A natural progression.
0: Clearly. And Polly yells at them to stop and dumps a Gatorade thing full of water on them. And when she tells them, you know, that they have to stop fighting, they say then she has to choose one of them. And Polly chooses Jamie, saying that she needs to focus on her career, that she's had a lot of fun with both of them but that she needs to focus on the one thing in her life that she's good at, and that's babysitting. Then she looks around and says, hey, where is Jamie? <laughs> 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 As uh, Hal and Lois also, like, realize that Jamie has gone missing Then it cuts to Jamie, who is crawling through the vents, which uh, we, we then, uh, like see it play out as we've already explained uh, with with Jamie like falling through the vents but landing on the lucky shirt. But the one detail I left out of that is uh, Pete Bukowski is also there as he is also presumably trying to win this signed baseball as we before that saw him getting some shirts signed by him by Reggie Jackson.
1: Well, I mean, Reggie Jackson's signature is much better than his. Yes,
0: when he asks Reggie Jackson if he wants anything signed by him, Reggie just like gives him a
1: look of like, who are you? I <laughs> also like Reggie Jackson's little line of, I thought they said I was going to be roped off. Right? <laughs> He's too close to the crowd.
0: Uh, Pete Bukowski is the one who like pulls Jamie off of the lucky shirt. So when Lois runs up, she thinks that he saves Jamie. <laughs> Which is where my opening line comes from. Then, uh, the episode wraps up with Craig and Abe, both at the Wilkerson house, getting ready to go out to the bar together. And they're, like, hyping each other up, you know, complimenting each other's clothes. Then, uh, Craig starts to cry. (laughs) But Abe stops him, saying... How are you going to get on the scene?
1: And Craig, like still half crying, says, Sex Machine. <laughs> He's going to get on the scene like a sex machine, Jim. That's right. I love, there's that confidence Polly loves so much.
0: <laughs> there it is.
1: <laughs> Some people would refer to that as delusions of grandeur. But
0: uh, that wraps the episode up. So let's go to our awards.
1: Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Awards,
0: and of course, we will start with our roller skating keen award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you choose for this one, David?
1: I mean, I had to give it to Abe and Craig's slap fight because that is hilarious and just such a stereotypical, like, nerd thing. It is, it, it is just exactly what I envisioned was gonna happen,
0: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's so
1: funny. It is.
0: Yeah, that was also my first choice, but since you took that, I will go with my backup, which is Jamie's Convention Adventures.
1: Oh, that's fair. Very funny. Also my backup, by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair. Then, uh, moving on to our next award, what did you give your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line.
1: Um, so we've actually already covered it in, and. In- talked about it a little bit but my uh best line was given to my dad asked her dad and we gave her family a ham it's just it's it's so funny and it does it a hundred percent like hints at and kind of points at the whole like arranged marriage thing which I think is very funny and I just I don't know like I I like this idea of the like hyper nerdy Abe that we've seen before also being just like hyper socially awkward
0: fair. Uh, I gave my award to the final line. How how are you going to get on the scene? Like a sex machine. That's fair. Very funny. (laughs) Through tears with zero confidence is just so fucking funny. (laughs) It is very funny. And what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time
1: of release. So, for my okay Boomer, Jake, I went with Reggie Jackson. Gotcha. Uh, (laughs) um, Because this isn't too terribly long after he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, like, he's still, you know, very much so relevant, would still be, like, actively doing things. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so... I know Reggie Jackson as a guy who
1: shows up in
0: TV shows like this. As Reggie uh, Jackson, yeah, yeah, uh, that's,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly it. He, he showed
0: up in sitcoms a lot in this era. <laughs> I 100% believe that. But for mine, I went with prank calls. That's pretty good. Cell phones have kind of ruined the prank call.
1: I like that you say ruined. Like I feel like some people would not use the word ruined there.
0: No, it's ruined the prank call.
1: Prank calls were great. Mm. Were they though? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm I'm glad you think so. Okay.
0: <laughs> they gave us the Jerky Boys, David.
1: Oh God, man! I haven't <laughs> thought about the Jerky Boys in forever. <laughs>
0: Because cell phones have ruined prank calls. Put the jerky boys out of a
1: job. (laughs) That that might huh? That might be the most weirdly like prolifically nineties answer to like anti cell phone anything. God. I I don't even I stand by it. Cell phones are a mistake. I don't even know what to say to you right now. (laughs) Oh, Jake. (laughs) What? (laughs) Look, the Jerky Boys were okay.
0: Look, there's a 0% chance any Jerky Boy sketch holds up today. Oh, I'm sure they're horrible. (laughs) But in the 90s, loved it. I bet.
1: Uh, I think the 90s was the last time I actually listened to the Jerky Boys. I think
0: the 90s was the last time anyone listened to the Jerky Boys. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's fair. Uh,
0: But, uh, moving on to our next award. Which of these plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart?
1: So, I gave it to, as as, uh, I put it in my notes, the quote, date line. But, uh, not remembering that that is a show and puts a weird connotation onto it, but uh, right? No, I've, the uh, okay,
0: yeah, I see what you mean. I was very confused for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, did you watch a very different episode than I did? No, I,
1: <laughs> I just like I make shorthand in my notes because I'm writing very quickly on a cell phone, right. so I put it down as the date line. But uh, no, I I, I picked the uh, the. Craig and and Abe dating Polly just because of uh the slap fight and then the resolution seeing Abe and Craig become now like each other's wingman after you know having this quote vicious fight over Polly is hilarious and I'm glad that they found each other because you know what Craig and Abe deserve each other
0: fair <laughs> <laughs> Uh I also chose that plot line as the A plot of my heart though I had it in my notes as
1: the polyamorous polyplot. Uh that's fair and <laughs> that's a that's a good note for it it's a good name for it. I wasn't trying to name it I was just trying to make a quick right. note. <laughs> yeah no. The, f- <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it is dateline mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if one of them
0: snapped and murdered Polly after all of this, it would be a dateline <laughs> plot,
1: <plus>. Right. <laughs> God. <laughs> I may be implying a lot about Craig in this. I don't know. Right? Oh, yeah, it would
0: definitely be Craig.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Oh,
0: well, who did you choose as your favorite character?
1: So I had to give that to Abe. Okay. I just, I, I don't know, like... Don't get me wrong, Craig's great too, and I love weird, crazy Craig, but uh, something about just the way uh, Abe, like, lists off his, like, concerns about, you know, who this guy is and just the way that he speaks and the way his lines are written are just phenomenal to me, so I, I had to go with him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, I actually went with Polly as my favorite character for this episode. Okay. She's just such a specific representation of a specific kind of like burned out hippie.
1: That <laughs> is definitely true. But
0: I really appreciate <laughs> like usually when you have that, like it's either like a like anti hippie, like they're they're mo- like monsters, or it's the like cheech and chong, like, like hyper silly, but like kind of positive interpretation of the, like, burnout hippie, and, uh, Polly really managed to, like, display like, all of the shitty, like, people who are still hippies in 2004 stuff. Right. Also still be, like, fairly
1: likable. Yeah. She's got that, like, old grandpa hippie vibe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but she's also, like, you can see her being the, like, anti-vaxxer hippie yeah you're not wrong <laughs> uh,
1: I hope no, no, Jake, don't ruin it for me. No, Polly is not. She's perfectly fine. everything's fine.
0: again, <laughs> it. it's why I like her as a character because like sh- she has both sides like you can see her being like a fun friend to hang out with, and then also being on Facebook being like va- vaccinations will kill your kids. Uh... <laughs> use crystal healing instead. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> then uh, who did you give your Chloris Leachman Award,
1: your award for best acting? Uh, I had to give it to Gary Anthony Williams. I also gave it to Gary Anthony Williams. Uh, he did phenomenal. And again, his role as Abe here and just the way that he like interacts with Hal and the uh, like gentle pleading into... Uh, desperate sobbing in the scene with Hal, where he's talking about you know Polly seeing someone else, and it's just it's so good, very well done, and I appreciate it very much. Yes, he he does a very good
0: job of uh, you know showing Abe spiraling into despair <laughs> multiple That's times right. over the course of the episode.
1: Yes, <laughs> he does indeed.
0: And, uh, that just leaves our new award before we get into our, you know, shittiest and least shitty kid, our Mrs. Dabney Award. (laughs) Now, who Uh, do you think was the shittiest parent, David?
1: I had to give it to Abe. Okay. For, uh, using Stevie? (laughs) Yeah, he tried to use Stevie's disability, dude. Uh, that's shitty and low, and it it sucks, because I love Abe in this, except for that one thing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh yeah. don't do this <laughs> yeah i i also chose abe <laughs> okay good <laughs> then uh let's go to our shittiest and least shitty kid old yay did you choose as your
1: least shitty oh you didn't just presuppose my choice not for wow. least shitty
0: no that's okay. that look that could be anyone except malcolm
1: wow maybe <laughs> it's malcolm Maybe I did like the audience and I nominated Malcolm for both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you?
1: I didn't, but maybe.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so who's your least shitty no. kid? Uh Reese. Uh I actually agree. I also chose Reese's least shitty kid.
1: Yeah. He didn't do anything really awful or evil. Yeah, no, I agreed. I okay. I feel like his
0: his only competition this episode was Dewey, and Dewey ate that MDI off the ground, so it goes to Reese. Agreed.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> We had gross Dewey again, so. Yep. Had to give it to Reese.
0: And who did you think was
1: shittiest kid? Uh, Malcolm, obviously.
0: Uh, of course. Why did he choose Malcolm this time?
1: I mean, if nothing else, Jake, like, there's other reasons. But making that bet and saying that and then trying to Welsh on it, like, that's, you can't do that, man. That's just no honor. No honor in that, man.
0: I, I I can see that his uh like insisting that you know Dewey's shirt isn't lucky also kind of rubs me the wrong way
1: in this episode. I was also gonna go to there, but I just I I feel like I feel like I have a very strong stance uh just standing on uh just for you know his shittiness at the end there, let alone all of the uh the stuff with the lucky shirt and you know him still like not thinking of stevie's feelings you know stuff like that
0: that is fair i do think malcolm is a good choice for shittiest kid this week but he was not my choice i went with francis as shittiest kid this week
1: uh that's fair francis also shitty kid
0: yeah it's uh, shitty to Piyama, especially at the end when she tries to help him even after like calling out his bullshit she like still swallows her pride and like tries to make him look good and he still just can't help himself.
1: He still just yep. has
0: to push it further. Yeah. And that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple segments left, starting with the Cranston Connection, which is where we make connections between various characters played by Brian Cranston, as we have determined that in some form or fashion they are all one character. Uh, What do you have for a Cranston connection this
1: week, David? Well, see, Jake, Hal's constant failure in the setup department and knowing what can happen when a setup goes bad is why many years later, uh, in between, you know, becoming Walter White from stopping being Hal and, and the divorce and everything and leaving Lois, he's once again Uh, remarried and has a daughter and she starts dating James Franco and he is not having that he knows that this setup is a problem and I completely understand it Uh, and that is exactly why you know he gets super paranoid and won't let him date and becomes the super overbearing dad because he knows that eventually he's going to try to run over his daughter with his car just like all those people he set up
0: what movie are you referencing?
1: Uh it's called uh, Why Him? Okay, okay. <laughs> I have not seen that
0: movie, but I will uh take your word for it, dude.
1: <laughs> uh Brian Cranston plays the like super overbearing father that's, like, yeah, yeah. against their relationship. You know, a very stereotypical movie.
0: And, uh, moving on to our next segment, we have WTF is COG, where we try to determine what Hal's company does and what the acronym COG stands for. And uh, I have figured out that COG stands for Chance Osmosis Garments. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay, okay. (laughs) And that they specialize, along with all of their, you know, nefarious uh, shell companies, CIA-related government functions. They develop lucky shirts for people, like the one that Dewey has, as clearly Hal has probably inadvertently brought it home from work. (laughs) And (laughs) that they have figured out how to manipulate luck molecules and weave them into garments, creating these (laughs) these lucky clothes for people like Dewey.
1: Oh, my God. That's funny. Thanks. Glad he liked it. (laughs) Also, very much so a comic book plot line. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh.
0: (laughs) Then... Uh, moving on, we still have David's Guessing Game, which this was another kind of mixed bag week for you, uh, as you were correct that, uh, it would send her around Polly having two boyfriends, and that Hal and Lois would become involved, and you, you even were correct, uh, to some degree that, like, Lois would try to give her, like, woman-to-woman advice, Uh, But you were incorrect in that you thought it would sort of center around, uh, like her bringing these boyfriends to the Wilkerson house, and it's like being an issue with her babysitting the boys.
1: I mean, I was kind of right on that one. Look what happened to Jamie.
0: Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But you got most of it, so I gave you a 90%. Dope. Like nothing was like... Completely wrong, just like not quite how you frame it. That's fair. Then what do you think happens next week in experiment? Experiment. Experiment. No character names for you to lean on this week. (laughs) There there sure aren't. Um
1: I'm gonna guess that it has to go with like the science fair, maybe? Okay. Or, Or like they have to do like a science experiment. Uh I'm gonna say probably Malcolm. Uh, who knows? I uh, Maybe Malcolm or one of the Krellboins is going to cause like something's going to go wrong with Malcolm's, whether it's because he's trying to like purposely not be a Krellboin again, though that hasn't really been a theme for a while. They kind of let that die out. Yeah. But uh, I could see that kind of being a thing. But I also could just see it as like being Malcolm's like cockiness or something and his uh, science experiment goes bad or poorly and maybe they have to evacuate the school again or (laughs) or like he just gets a real shitty grade and then you know either way malcolm's gonna be very upset at the outcome of this okay that's all i got for experiment man
0: okay yeah no that works okay okay well that wraps this episode up thanks and credit to jacob neufeld who does the intro and outro music. If you would like to listen to more of his music, you can do so through the links in the episode descriptions. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast.
1: If you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we play video games, interact with chat, and in general, have a good time. And as always, remember, life is unfair.